Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So let's go to uh, John, just turn about John, let's see, John 7, we're going to start there. But I'll talk a little bit about uh, Nicodemus today. And so uh, Nicodemus is a character, we're in a series entitled The Gospel Effect. And what is, how did the gospel affect individuals that, that came across Jesus, that met Jesus? And Nicodemus is probably, if you've heard of any of the characters in the Bible, I said characters as in, you know, not real, the, real people in the Bible. Nicodemus is probably one that you may have heard more than maybe some of the others. He, he gets used a lot for different reasons and... Maybe outside of Thomas, um, probably quoted more, I guess, in his conversation with Jesus than, than most of the others. Anyway, but Nicodemus, um, I found him to be one of the clearest discussions with Jesus about being born again than any other really individual Jesus talked to. You know, maybe other than the woman at the well, but he was so clear with Nicodemus about being born again. And when you think about why Nicodemus, why was he so clear to him? Nicodemus was uh, the, he was the preacher of preachers. If, if he wasn't the high priest, but he was up high enough in what well, he was a part of the Sanhedrin. And so the Sanhedrin just simply means it was the organization of religious leaders and responsible for the Jewish culture to uh, process like as far as theological positions, but also social positions. So if there were conflicts and issues with the law outside of spiritual matters, even legal matters in the community of the Jewish culture... They were responsible for making the judgments on those cases. That they were comprised of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was the Sanhedrin. It was a collective group of people. Now, if you can imagine, the closest thing I can give you, and please, <clears throat> it's not the same, but it's the closest thing I can give you. It would be almost like the Republicans and the Democrats. And they're together, and they've got to try and make stuff happen. And one group, they believed in the resurrection. One did not believe in the resurrection. They, they just had these dividing things but when it came to the essentials like you know the lord thy god is one god here O israel they did not change they they had some it'd be like denominations today you have some maybe pentecostals believe more in gifts of the holy spirit maybe healings and miracles and maybe some more liturgical type churches would say well maybe that's not present today but when you came down to the center of it, if you ask them is jesus lord yes their, their place of agreement. But they would go a step further because of their culture. They had certain things they kept. They required certain things of their people. And so they would have kept social um, governance, if you will, very closely tied to spiritual governance. So they, so for instance, in their culture, there would not have been culture wars going on about what's right and what's wrong. They had God's word on that. They just didn't deviate from it. And that's why you don't see Jesus having certain conversations that people ask, well, did Jesus ever talk about this, that, and the other? Because in Israel, there would have been no conversation about that. They knew what was right and what was wrong. There's no need to have a conversation. We have God's word on it. Y'all see what I'm saying? They're just not going to get into it because there was no need. In it. Now, in the Gentile culture, you see Paul talking about all kinds of issues, sexual sins, how to deal with idols, how to deal with blood, how to deal with flesh. Why? Because in the Gentile culture, they didn't have any God book. It was everything goes, man. So Paul addressed those things. But in the Jewish culture, you don't see Jesus talking much about that. Why? Because they already had a God book. 
and they didn't deviate from it. No. Now, put that in light of the culture today where you live in, that's why this is preeminent. You hold fast to his word, regardless of what a denomination says or a culture says, this is what we hold on to, is God's word. Now, I say all that because they agreed on this. They just disagreed on other theological differences, but that weren't deal breakers. How about that? Like today, some people believe in a rapture, some people believe in a post, mid, pre, whatever. It's all over the map. Here's my position on it. To me, as long as I'm going, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I quit trying to figure out all that a long time ago. Because here's what I realized. The only people trying to figure this out are a bunch of humans. And last time I checked, we're not going to be responsible for the catch weight of anything. We're just praying to God that we're in. That's all, I, you know, that's all I'm worried about. I'm in. Anyway, that's a side note. But to give you what they're dealing with there, there's friction going on in this group. But Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he held to the position in God's word. He was not a guy who was a, um, I would say he's not a guy who would be one of these wishy-washy people. He dealt with social issues, yes, but he wasn't kind of, he didn't bow down to the world. He didn't give in to stuff. He would have had an expression and a position that people knew who he was, what he stood for, and where he, you know, where his lines were, if you will. I think that's why Jesus wanted to speak with him. Because if he had picked somebody, let's just say, I don't mean it to be disrespectful, but just somebody who really didn't have a position and they didn't really know him, you know, really know you know, no one's following them on Twitter. They have no real, like, you know what I'm saying, no social stance. It's not really going to make a big difference. But if somebody like Nicodemus turns, that's a big deal. It's almost the equivalent, like, when you see Matthew, if Matthew turns and gives up what he had, that's a big deal. Why would these guys, you know, give up their fishing business to follow a preacher? It's a big deal. But so Nicodemus is, is that's give you a little bit of backdrop. About, and just a couple of things real quick. I just want to share on him. And then my main point is at the end. But Nicodemus, he actually defends Jesus. So real quick, I'm going to read this to you. Um, he tries to defend Jesus very, very well. Uh, John 740. So I'm going to read this to you um, and, and see what, what do you think about it. So some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying this is the hurt. They heard the words of Jesus. <clears throat> this certainly is the prophet. And others were saying this is the Christ. So others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Now you see, they're already, they have got divisions already. They can't even agree on this. You see what I'm saying? They just have, so they're saying, surely Christ is not going to come from Galilee. And it's a bit of a jab, let's just be honest. They really put down the Galileans. Has not the scripture said that surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee? Or that, is it the scripture said that Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village of where David was? <laughs> what I find is interesting is this. Had they just asked Jesus, where were you born? <laughs> but do you see how you have to really be careful because sometimes our theology can really get in the way of our relationship. And I'm telling you, Jesus is more concerned. Don't misquote me. He is very concerned about your theology. But if your theology does not affect your relationship, if it's affecting it in a negative way. Jesus is not about that. He really isn't. Um, he, you can see that with the way he talked to most of the Pharisees. But anyway, so a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Verse 44, some of them wanted to seize him. And let me just say this real quick. A division occurred in the crowd because of Jesus. 
So the whole idea that everybody's just going to agree 100% because of Jesus, not true. He said, if you follow me, you might have to give up even close relationships. It might cost you your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, a friend. Because if you follow Jesus, I'm just telling you, there's going to be times where some people disagree with you. They disagree with Jesus here. It doesn't mean we have to be rude, but it does mean please don't give up on your walk with Christ and your relationship and what God's word says because it's not any longer popular. Just hold fast to, to the Lord. So the officer said, <clears throat> they came to the chief priests, or actually, I'm sorry, verse 44. So division occurred around them, verse 44. So some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Verse 45, the officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees and they said to him, why did you not bring him in? And so the officer said, these would have been the temple guards. These were not Romans and, you know, soldiers. These were temple guards. Because if it had been Romans, they would have brought him in. The difference between the two. Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, you have not also been led astray, have you? <laughs> no one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? Now, so what they were saying is, if we don't believe in him, obviously it's not true. They put themselves up on a pedestal and said, if we don't believe in him, neither should you. But this crowd, this Galilean crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. These guys are something, right? But in the midst of all this, here's Nicodemus. He was considered one of the higher-ranking Pharisees. And Nicodemus says, this is Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus before, being one of them, a Pharisee, said to them, our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? And they answered him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? <laughs> like, it is a strong jab. I know the text doesn't say it. But he's, they're basically saying, oh, so you from Galilee too? Are you with this goofball bunch? He is a high-ranking official. And they just put him down. Now, if he was all about prestige and status and position, he would not have put himself out here like this. This marked him as well. And can I just encourage you, when you see this, they're saying, search and see that no prophet comes out of Galilee. Never went, after that, everybody went to their own house. They're like, hey, we're done with all this. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I'm just saying that because I'm sure Nicodemus had some great conflicts. If I do this, if I defend Jesus, it might cost me. But so be it. And he did it anyway. Nicodemus also buried Jesus. Nicodemus, along with Joseph of Arimathea, um, and he was moved enough by Jesus. Think about this. You don't go bury someone unless you are moved by them. You know, you get invites to numerous funerals, I'm sure. But you make it to the ones. Don't, you know, look at me like I, it's not true. You make it to the ones that have impact on you. It's, it's a matter of honor and respect. And Nicodemus, he's not going to do this unless there was some kind of impact there. But anyway, so let me read this to you real quick. John 19, verse 38. <clears throat> it says, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus. So we, we are clear about this. Joseph of Arimathea is a disciple of Christ. John 19, verse 38. But he's a secret one. <laughs> now look, I just find it interesting. He's a secret one for fear of the Jews. And you would have to understand their culture to understand why that was such a big deal. Nowhere does Jesus really criticize them in the Gospels for it. You know, I mean, we have missionary friends who, 
they have been hid up in the attic of a ceiling until the military would come through certain regions in Southeast Asia. But that doesn't mean them, that doesn't make them weak. It makes them wise. Because we want them to keep preaching. No sense in standing out there in front of the whole crowd and getting yourself taken out if you can keep preaching, hide out in the ceiling for a bit, and then come back out and go again. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, there's some points where you need to stand, yes. But there's sometimes when it doesn't benefit anybody. Y'all understand what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you're weak. It means, hey, listen, if there's a mob coming, you don't stand there and act like, you know, God protect me. If there's people burning down stuff, then get out of the city. Even Jesus himself said to the people of Jerusalem, when this time comes, when the Romans invade, when you see this time coming, get out. Leave Jerusalem. Do not stay here. Even Jesus warned them to get out. There's nothing wrong. And I'm not saying that this guy... By being a secret disciple is the same kind of context of what we would say culturally. But for fear of the Jews, was he more effective by the way he went about his discipleship or not? It seems to me that Joseph of Arimathea, he made an impact, it seems to me. And also with Nicodemus. It says this, he was, even though a secret uh, disciple for fear of the Jews, watch what he did though. He was bold enough to go ask Pilate to take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission... You have some gusto if you go into the courts of Pilate and ask for the man that he just ordered crucified. I'm just telling you, that's a strong person. That's not a weak guy. So he came and he took away his body, verse 39, and here's Nicodemus, old Nick, who had first come to him by night, kind of secret, like, I got medium, man, but I don't get in the daytime, people see me. You know, they didn't have street lights like we do. They, nighttime, you could hide out. So, he comes at night. He came with Joseph Arimathea, bringing, watch this, a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about 100 pounds of weight. Now, guys, I just carried, uh, I think there were 30-pound sacks of different kind of fertilizer and dirt, whatever, yesterday. And I'm a little sore, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm a little sore. I mean, it was oh, 15, 20, I can't, 15 bags, I think, 12 bags. You know, you don't think that's a lot, but if, you know, it is a lot. I mean, you know, some young guns like going, hey, I don't know. shut up. Nobody wants to talk to you. You living on nothing but testosterone right now. That's all that's run through your body. We don't care. One day, you'll be here and you'll be like, man, Pastor Joey wasn't joking, man. I still moved it though. Don't get, don't mess with me, man. I still moved it. So a hundred pounds though. That is a lot of myrrh. I had to look it up and just to see, to try to get an idea of the value of this. Joseph Arimathea was a wealthy man. We know that by what the scriptures say. Nicodemus was also obviously very wealthy. A hundred pounds of myrrh. I looked it up. Now, if you go to one of those like um, direct port shipping sites, like, you know, online, like you don't really know who it is on the other side. Like, you know, you can order it, but it's going to ship from the mainland or something like that. And it's going to come in. You got to pick it up at the port. You might get a better deal on this myrrh stuff. But I don't know if it's like flavored water or who knows what you're going to get, right? The best I found for 100 pounds of the cheapest, most potpourri flavored myrrh would be 5,200 bucks for 100 pounds. More than likely, the average price right now, 400 bucks a pound right now for myrrh, for, for decent. Egyptian, if you get it from Egypt, it would have cost about $40,000. You don't think he was impacted by Jesus? Wherever 
your treasure is, your heart. This man was moved by Jesus in a great way. <clears throat> and when I see this, when I think about this, it comes back to these interesting parables that Jesus gives in Matthew 21, 28. I'm going to go through these kind of quickly today, but you'll see why in a moment. It says, but what do you think? Matthew 21, verse 28. A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. And he said, I will not do it. But afterward, he regretted it. He repented and he went to work. The man came to the second son and he said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir, but he didn't go. Now, which of the two did the will of his father? Now, isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how it shows you that words do not mean the same as action? And that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do. Don't talk about me. Don't say, I love you, I love you, I love you. But you won't do what I say. It's action that really is what matters. And he says, the first, Jesus said to them, truly I say unto you, that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. He's talking to some of the people who are religious and their leadership. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And you, seeing their repentance, did not even feel remorse afterward as to believe in him. So when I see that, I think about Nicodemus. He might not have jumped on board like Peter and James and John. You know, maybe he wasn't the first to kind of jump in. Maybe he thought about it a while. I think he was a bit of a thinker. Nothing wrong with a thinker. Contemplate. Jesus said, count the cost. Think about it. Before you follow after the Son of God, is it, really, you really, is it worth it or not to you? Because it might cost you more than you really want to give. And I think Nicodemus thought about this thing, what he was doing. Man, if I do this, what's going to happen to my position, my family, my everything? Am I losing it all? What happens if I go with him and then I get in the band of misfits that he's with and they come after me like they're going after Peter or somebody? What if they... You see what I'm saying? His dilemma. But I think he was a thinker. And I think, though, it's obvious. If you bury Jesus, obviously you have compassion and great belief in Christ. It doesn't say he was a disciple, but I got this, this reading from the context of Scripture that I think he turned and converted completely and followed after Jesus. Just by the way he's reading. Because, man, listen, he's already now accounted with Joseph Arimathea. He's in with him. They took his body. Now, look, you're in now, man. You might as well go all in. Now, let me just say this. It's not always where you start out or how you start out that matters. It's really the adjustment that we make. And in our physical senses, our physical senses fight our spiritual senses constantly. Do you, you guys deal with this? I mean, my physical senses will tell me all kinds of things. Like right now, I mean, I'll, I'll adjust it in just a minute for you, but I know it's cold in here. It's, it's the reboot and everything's wide open right now. Just, you know how it is when power resets and all that kind of thing. Everything's 100% right now, so you're just going to be frigid for a few moments. But it's better than being sweaty and hot, you know, just saying. You know what, though, your senses tell you it's cold. My senses tell me when somebody is smoking some good meat, I can sm- like, oh man, who's cooking that? And it don't even have to be that they know what they're doing, it's just a smell of charcoal burning in meat, right? My, 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 my eyesight will tell me things like, man, you know, it's getting dark today or it's cloudy outside. My, my physical senses, and God gave me them for a reason, to tell you, to inform you of your physical world. But that's not where you and I are to put our trust in. That's to help you get around this world. But the spiritual walk is really where God has called us to live. And with Nicodemus... The story that you probably have heard, maybe, maybe not, 
of meeting with Jesus is the one where we get to with spiritual discussions. And that's where he's confronted with what he sees, what he feels, what he knows to be true, versus the spiritual realities that Jesus is trying to inform him of. That man cannot just live in this world. You've got to be born again. And Paul says like this, you know, this fight that you have between your flesh and your spirit. He says in Galatians 5, 17, that the spirit and the flesh are against each other. It's kind of like Republican, Democrat kind of things. Like, you know, is there anything we can get along with? You know, apparently there's a few things we can work out. But nonetheless, what this tension between the two. And I would love to tell you that one point in your life, you can get to the point where you just are in such complete mastery that you never have a problem with your flesh again. Like you are the primo disciple. You are the man or woman of God that when you walk in, like angels just carry you into the seats. But I got to be real honest with you. I just don't know that that happens till you get to heaven. Because this still wakes up in the morning and says, Ow! I'm sore. You carried too much weight yesterday. You need Advil. Fix me. I'm whiny. I'm hungry. I don't want to eat grilled chicken. I want a steak. I don't want to stop eating honey buns. My daughter says so, but I don't want to. I like, you know, whatever. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yours talks to you too. It's a constant war with the spirit. But the key is to understand that the spirit should be the one that wins the battle. And this last part here, Nicodemus, you know, he visits Jesus. This is one I want to uh, kind of end with today. I'm going to show you a clip in a second. But in John 3, if you want to click this and go back and read this, because the clip I'm going to show you, it's built on uh, John 3. And this is, John records this. And you know how John is. I kind of give him a little grief, you know. But John, to me, when John writes about it, there's something about his writing style that... I know, I get it. He's the one that Jesus loved. And it seems like he was the closest to Christ. It, it does by the way he writes and others write and others talk about him. It just seems like, you know, I mean, so when he writes this, I feel like the way he's writing, he's trying to give us indication of Nicodemus and his position with Jesus truly trying to understand. I don't think he was a Pharisee in rebellion trying to trap Jesus or trying to criticize Jesus. I think he was truly, his flesh was in so control. Not in sin, but he was in such control with his flesh and his mind, his spirit just couldn't get it. And I think that's what was going on. So let me read this to you and then I'm going to show you this clip. So John 3 verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, that shows you honor right there. The fact that he would call Jesus rabbi. He's not disrespecting Jesus. He says, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus said, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, which is why when you're born, and this is important, you tell your kids this, you're born into sin. Your kids are not innocent. 
That is about the worst thing you could ever tell your kids. I mean, now, when they're babies, they don't understand it. Oh, you're just so sweet. Oh, look at you. You talk to them like puppy dogs. Oh, this little baby. So cute. You're so precious. Aren't you so just perfect? They're not perfect. You think that until, you know, you forget. And that's why you have more kids. You forget that they're not perfect. They're just not. And neither are we. We are imperfect humans and we are born into sin. And it's important that you tell your children that. It doesn't mean it's a guilt thing. It is to let them understand, honey, you've been born into sin just like daddy was. And that's why you need to be born again. If they think they're okay, they will not seek the need of a savior. And I'm telling you, there is this idea that's circling around now that has come along because people are telling their kids they're just little, you know, whatever, angels. They're not angels. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they do wrong. And I love today, we don't even call it stealing anymore. I was listening to the thing the other day. The guys were calling these stores are having problems, like these, these retail stores. They're calling it shrinkage. I had to stop and listen, back it up. Like, huh? Shrinkage. What? And then they explained it. Well, it's theft. Well, then why don't you call it theft? No wonder they think they can get away with it because you don't call it theft. When you make an excuse for it, then it's okay. You understand what I'm saying? It's not okay. Theft is theft. I thought, how stupid can you be? Well, it's just shrinkage. We have a loss. This one company had a billion dollars of shrinkage. And Haley and I, we went to one of their stores. I won't tell you which one it was because I don't want anybody telling me about what it is, blah, blah, blah. So we were at this store, though, where we were in a certain city known for allowing this stuff to go on. And I'm standing in the thing. This is the middle of the pandemic. I'm standing there with my little, you know, mask on, trying to be obedient to the everybody there and do the thing. And I'm trying to listen, you know, whatever. And I'm watching because Haley's shopping. I could care less about shopping. I'm just there with her because I love her. I don't shop. I hate shopping. Unless it's power tools, that's fine. So, or maybe trucks or something. Anyway. But this guy is over there. He's got his backpack. He comes in, slits his backpack on the ground. And starts throwing, uh, now, ladies, I know y'all have razors too. I, I know, I got a house full of women, so let me tell you. I know, they go through them. But guys' razors, I, I don't know what they think they're made of, titanium or something. But they're in the lock boxes, you know? You ever shop, you know, guys, how much those razors are? Good gracious. I mean, this guy is knocking every one of them off into his backpack. Five at a time. I'm counting up going, those things are 30 bucks a pop at minimum. 30, 60, 90, 120, I... I'm going, my gosh, what's he going to buy all them? I kept thinking, what's he doing? Because this is one of those stores in cities where you don't, they don't give you shopping bags, shopping carts or anything. You've got to manage your own everything. And so I'm watching, and then he kind of zips it up, looks at me. I look at him like, oh, hey, man. I said, what you going to do with that? He zips it up, he looks at me, kind of goes on out the door. So I don't mean to, but it just happened. I'm following him out like, hey, man. Hey, brother, where are you going with that? And he keeps going to the door. So now I'm really like, I don't know why. I'm sorry. It just, I shouldn't. I mean, I shouldn't because he could have had a gun. It just, I can't stand in jail. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like I work hard. And my thought was, you joker. That's why the bread cost 50 cents more back because of you. Like, you know, you and your shrinkage, you know, whatever. 
crazy. It ain't inflation. People are stealing stuff. So this guy is going, and so here's a security guard at the door. And I said, hey, 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 man, that guy's got a bag of razors right there, right there. He's going out the door. Out the door he goes, and the security guard just looks at me. Like, brother, your job. Like, hang the badge up if you're not going to chase. And he looks at me and says, I can't. I said, why can't you? He says, corporate tells me I can't touch them. It's like MC Hammer. You, know, you can't touch this. Like, leave them alone, right? And I'm going like, what? And he says, yeah, I can't touch them. All I can do is call local law enforcement. I said, they're never going to get here in time. That brother's gone. He said, I know that. He said, I'm bound by what, my contract. I can't touch them. And I thought to myself, you know... I can never do your job because I would have thrown the cash register to that joker if it had been me. I stop him, bam! Like, boy, you don't steal. Now, you may think that's just too much. You know what? That's the problem now. It's because we don't do anything anymore. And every time somebody does something, they get a pass, they get a pass because they're perfect. And when you're perfect, you think you've done no wrong. And when you think you've done wrong, you no longer need a savior. And I'm just telling you, that is a fact. I saw it in my own eyes, it happened in front of me. And I thought to myself, it's no wonder why people have no regard for God's laws now. Because we can't even agree on the simple thing of theft is theft. It's not called shrinkage. Good Lord, that's just ridiculous. So anyway, I said all that because... Nicodemus believed, I think, strongly in God's word. I don't think he was one of these kind of people who was wishy-washy. I think he held strong to God's word. But Nicodemus struggled in this area of spiritual matters. So when Jesus talked to him and said, you must be born again, verse 8, he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And you do not understand these things. Like, how can you be in the position you're in, Nicodemus, and not understand what I'm telling you? And I think it really affected him in a big way. And so... I've never done one, a clip this long, but it's going to take about, uh, it's almost 10 minutes, but um, then I'm, we're done after that, I'm going to let you go, but I, I'm doing this because I don't think I can communicate this context of this scripture in the way that it's communicated here any better. And so I, let me just say this before I play it. It, it is a clip from The Chosen. I understand some people don't like it because they're this and that. Can I just say they're actors? This is an illustration. Please don't come and tell me something later that you saw something on the internet about this. And that. I don't care. I just, I don't care. I, I'm past, you picked the wrong guy. I will tell you, I don't care. I just don't. I'm past all that stuff. So if you like it, great. If you don't, I love you anyway, okay? So get the impact of the illustration, not who's an actor in the movie, Okay. So, hey, take a look at this. Go ahead and play it, guys, and then we'll finish up. Close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. 
I wanted to pray for you, and I wanted you to think about this, this clip, and I want you to think about <clears throat> the experience that you have with, with the Lord right now as we close out today. And you know, as your eyes are closed and your heads are bound, experience will tell you many things, but so will the Spirit. And you can't get them too. Spiritual things are deeper. They're, they're from within. Making your spirit more real in our lives and our flesh. May you give us promptings, reminders. 
rise up. I just pray for a word from God that will rise up on the inside of our hearts. God, remind your people who they are in Christ. Remind them of who you created them to be. Remind them that they are chosen by you, that they are loved by you. They are redeemed by you by the precious blood of Jesus. No matter what the flesh says, Because what they pay, uh, they've earned money, they've done fundraisers, they've done things to go to camp. But you guys have come through over and over again, over and above your tithe uh, to do this. And this is what the kingdom of God is about. As these folks here are going to take up the reins after we're gone um, and carry on. So the the investment, I, I hear people talk about investment. I hear politicians talking about taking our money and investing it for us. This is an investment in these people here, these young people. So just thank you so much for doing that. Um, It just means the world. Our prayer partners are going to come up after service. They'd love to pray with you if you have any needs that you want to pray with. Also going to remind you that Catch the Vision is um, after church. Even if you haven't signed up, if you want to be a part of that, um, about 45 minutes to an hour, they'll tell you a little bit about what Cornerstone believes and how you can be a part part of it. So if you would just stand here, we're going to send you out with the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
Lord, the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you, give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.